Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Coach Unplugged. Super excited. Um, before we jump in, we'd like to give a big shout out to our sponsors. First of all, Dr. Dish, the number one shooting machine on the market, bar none. They are sturdy. They will not break down. They don't pop break down. Uh, mention Coach Unplugged. They'll give you $350 off. Also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. It's the one-stop shop for basketball coaches. Right now, we've got a quarterly membership going on, which I think is awesome. I think it rocks. Um, we've got everything you need um, inside of our roadmap. You know, the uh, Teach Hoops did a roadmap. Because you're always in one of four seasons, right? You're either in preseason, you're either in postseason, um, you're either in the season or you're in the off season. One of those four seasons you're always in. And we set up a roadmap and a checklist to make it easier for you. So come over, join us at teachhoops.com. Let's head off to the podcast. So Brian, um, you know, I want you to you have a <laughs> you have a very interesting uh, resume. So I'm gonna have you kind of walk through your basketball journey. Um, I definitely want to talk about some of the NBA stuff you've done, but I think it will, I think for the audience, it, it very interesting. I think they'll, I have lots of questions, so it'll be, I think it'll be really good, but if you can just kind of introduce yourself, I'll turn it over to you, introduce yourself and just kind of walk yourself or walk us through kind of your basketball journey where how it started and where you are now and that kind of stuff. And, and I'll jump in and, and I'm sure I'll have lots of comments, but I'm going to turn it over to you. So, Brian, if you can just introduce yourself and just kind of start talking about how you got into this great game. Sure. Yeah. So my name is Brian Oringer. I uh, basically started in basketball um, around 2011 in terms of coaching as a uh, actually, sorry, 2009 as a student manager for Gary Williams, his last couple of years at the University of Maryland, um, worked under him for a couple of years. Okay. So hold on. So I, so, so how did you, how did you, so explain that job to me. What does that mean? Uh, yeah, you know, kind of like just all the managers in, in college. I mean, that's that's basically what I did. I mean, but uh, I, I helped out more on the video side. I 
okay. you know, put together some of the video scouting reports, some of the, uh, you know, fast model, the actual physical scouting reports. And, uh, you know, and how, and what kind of time constraints and things did that take? Oh, an incredible amount of time. I mean, I basically, you know, sacrificed to having a college life, you know, being anything like a college student. I mean, you're with, yeah, you know, you're with the team every day. I, I traveled with the team to Spokane, Washington for the uh, NCAA tournament in, in Gravis Vasquez, the senior season. So it's, uh, it's totally all encompassing. And that's why, you know, I have huge respect for anybody that's, uh, you know, on that manager side or, or gone that route in basketball. Um, so yeah, I did that at Maryland for a couple of years. Do you think that you think that helps you get become a better coach? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, to get to uh, you know, you, you're literally on the court of practice every day. You know, watching a, a Hall of Famer and Gary Williams coach, and uh, you know, just seeing how things are are run down to to every detail. Um, you know, and, and also getting to help out occasionally on, on the floor and right. uh, you know, doing the player development stuff and and all that. So. Uh, yeah. And on top of that, um, you know, college uh, assistants in particular have to spend so much time on the road and recruiting and, you know, they're gone all the time. So the, the one thing I actually found out is that there was kind of a void and a, and a need for somebody that uh, spent more time on the on the game preparation side, on the scouting side. So to be honest, that's that's really where I, you know, carved my rollout, um, you know, and was able to really uh, have an opportunity to, to actually watch the film and actually, you know, put together scouting report type details. And, uh, and that's what funny enough enabled me to get to the wizards. Um, so I'll, my junior year going into college, I actually emailed uh, the wizards now GM. He was assistant GM at the time, Tommy Shepard, honestly, just wanting to pick his brain, you know, take him to lunch. I, I wasn't looking for anything, just wanted to learn from him. Um, and I happened to mention what I did at Maryland. And he said at the time, they had one person working, you know, hundred something hour weeks in the video room with, with no assistant, no intern. And, and the stuff I did at Maryland was kind of the same technology, same programs they used with the wizards. Um, so I got to come in and interview with him and uh, ended up interning for the wizards uh, my last couple of years of college. Um, after that, I ended up, I spent uh, four years, four more years with them as, as the head video coordinator traveling with the team um, and then I also spent a, a year as a uh, regional advanced scout for uh, for both the Hawks and the Raptors. So overall, it was seven years in the NBA, two years uh, with Maryland. And um, now I'm out of that side of things. Now I'm give some private lessons, private training, you know, coaching in the area and do uh, kind of media side of basketball on uh, on YouTube and podcasts and all that good stuff. Right. So so explain the um, so. <laughs> I I, so I I'm old school, so I grew up, you know, two VHS tapes breaking film down, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. I I think part of that has been lost on this generation with fast draw and things breaking film down. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, you know, um, I think uh, when I started in Maryland, I mean, it's funny we we had like 15 DVD players, and one of the jobs was recording like every single game across college every night, you know, on, on right. 15 different players. And now, you know, there's, there's no more DVDs. <laughs> there's none of that. No right. machine. It's, all in, it's all in synergy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's, it's all gone digital. So it's, it's pretty wild how that's evolved, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I personally learned it through, uh, through yeah synergy a little bit, but also sports code, which is the program that the NBA teams used to, to cut film. And it's, you know, it's literally the, kind of the ones and twos, like they said, you know, how Eric Spolstra started in basketball in the heat film room. I mean, I think it's really the best way to learn the game, the best way to, to break into the game. 
um, because literally you're, you're living and breathing basketball every single day, you know, and uh, right. I, it's, it's funny. I mean, you asked about basketball journey and kind of the reason that I started in college is because, I mean, I was a high school tennis player. I wasn't even a basketball player. My, my love for the game kind of happened a little bit later. Right. Um, so I really had to, I had a huge learning curve. I, I couldn't, you know, diagram a ball screen probably when I got to college. And um, the way I learned it really was to, to pour over that stuff. I, I read every single scouting report I could get my hands on, every book, every, you know, film uh, video that was already there, whatever I could watch or read. You know, I was just tried to be a sponge uh, in that way. And, and yeah, you know, I think like, like we started with hustle. I mean, if you're willing to put in that kind of work and really, you know, study the game, I, I think anybody, you know, the same way anybody can become a shooter. Um, I, I guess I'm evidence that anybody can, uh, you know, can learn basketball at a pretty high level. Right. No, I agree. So what did you learn by watching like a Hall of Famer practice? Uh, with him in particular, it was definitely the intensity. Uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, he obviously was famous for, for sweating through his suit a, a bunch of times. And, you know, we'd be up by 50 against Longwood at halftime and he'd still be, you know, going nuts. Um, so he, he definitely, uh, you know, just, just kind of instilled in you the importance of, of every single possession and the importance of, um, you know, cared more about the, the process than the result, right. That it doesn't matter, you know, what the score is, doesn't matter how good we think we are. We, we have to keep just striving to get better every single play. Um, so, you know, I really learned that from him. And I, I think it's funny because when I got to the NBA, actually, when I started with the wizards, that was, um, you know, Nick Young, JaVale McGee, Andre Bloch. It, it was at the time a, a really bad team, bad culture. And I remember some of those guys walking in at halftime down 20 and they were laughing about it. And for me, it was just a total culture shock to go from, you know, the maniacal intensity of, of somebody like Coach Williams to, uh, you know, to the NBA, where quite frankly, you know, some of the guys love it. Some of the guys are super intense and some of them are kind of just there for a paycheck. So um, you know, I think a huge part of obviously being a GM, being a coach is figuring out which guys, uh, you know, really care and which guys you can win with. And, you know, even without money, it's probably similar, you know, even at a younger level, right. There's some guys right. that really love the game and some guys that are playing because they're, uh, you know, six, five or whatever. So, no, I, I think that's great. Um, so what are you doing now? So you're done with, you were done with the NBA. Why, why did you, why did, why did you decide to pivot out of that? Yeah, the, the lifestyle. I mean, uh, you know, okay. I, I have, like I said, I have a ton of respect for, for coaches and for anybody in that. But if you if you really want to do the NBA, do college basketball full time, I mean, it, it is a 360 day year thing. It is, you know, you're right. traveling nonstop and uh, just wasn't I didn't want to, you know, chase that around the whole country. So, yeah, I got out of that, you know, doing like I said, my my own thing. I, I'm uh have a YouTube channel that has a lot of, I think, good resources for coaches and basketball people, um, a podcast kind of the same way. And, and yeah, both those things, if you type in scout with Brian, pretty much you'll, you'll find those and Brian with a Y, but, uh, but yeah, now, uh, you know, a little more at my own pace and a little more leisurely than the, uh, you know, 24 seven, uh, NBA lifestyle. What was the hardest thing about that lifestyle other than the travel? Um, <laughs> Probably, I mean, just the hours in general, and I'd say just yeah, the hours and the instability. I mean, uh, you know, in season, I mean, for at least the six, seven months straight of the season, you know, we probably have two or three days off max. And, and you know, when you're working, you're, you're in the office every day at 
7 a.m. And, and usually leaving around like midnight. So it's just a it's a relentless lifestyle. It's an unbelievable, uh, unbelievable grind. And then, yeah, like I said, I mean, the other scary part is that you just, uh, you know, you're totally at the whim of the head coaches who the, you know, the average uh, coaching span is like three something years in the NBA. And they're just, you know, they're fired all the time. And then you have to be willing to pick up and move to Oklahoma city or Indiana or whatever, just, you know, just like that. So it's, uh, Hey everybody, hope you're enjoying it. I'm going to give a big shout out to our two other podcasts in the Coach Market Media Conglomerate um, Teacher Side Gig. So go over and check that out. And uh, High School Hoops. So Teacher Side Gig is talk, talking about teachers and their side gigs and how they make a little bit of extra money. And High School Hoops talks about um, high school hoop stops about obviously high school basketball once a week. And we try to keep that as pertinent. That that's kind of like your dates. If things are going on, we're talking about that. We do those weekly. Um, and it's always fun for me to talk to Jake about that. Make sure you subscribe and like to this one, leave a review. We would appreciate that and go over and check out teachups.com for coaches who want to get better. All right, let's get back to the podcast. It's not an easy lifestyle. Um, and obviously really hard for the, uh, you know, the family side and all that. Uh, right. So then so did, did you have lots of people trying to break into it while you were working there, trying to come and intern like you did or those kind of things? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I get probably, uh, a hundred, you know, emails, resumes a, a week of, of people who are even lawyers, you know, business school, successful, you know, career people who, who are willing to and want to just drop everything and, and come uh, intern for free. So it's, it's unbelievable how competitive um, the industry is. And, and yeah, you know, I, I tried to, uh, to help as many people as you could, but quite frankly, I mean, you can't. So another piece of advice, I mean, I'll just throw out there and, and give to, I guess if anybody's listening who wants to pursue that or wants to break into to basketball, like at that level, I mean, I, I got, like I said, so many just cold resumes, phone emails, whatever, that they all kind of just blend together. So my personal advice at least is kind of like I had luck, you know, reaching out to Tommy to pick his brain. I, I'd say to kids, you know, try to reach out to, don't reach out to 500 people. Don't cold send your resume to everybody. Try to pick like, you know, three or four people, maybe that you have some remote, whatever connection that you're in that area, whatever, focus on them, ask if you could pick their brain, don't make it all about getting a job, you know, and, uh, and see if you can just kind of build a relationship and, and maybe, you know, catch some luck that way. But, but yeah, the hardest part by far is, is getting your foot in the door and uh, everybody says that. And, and yeah, it's. Uh, well, you know, and the thing is here, I don't remember what book I was reading recently about that, but it's basically, um, the younger you are too, it's like people want to help young people. Like if you're, you know, um, and they want, you know, that, that's what you have to be looking for. You want, you want some help. Like you, yeah, you gotta, it's how you frame it is, is more important than, um, some of that other stuff. I, I, I agree, you know, and I have younger coaches. It's, it's a lot, I, I, it's a lot easier to reach out to them than, you know, the, the, the guy that's been coaching 30 years, I'll still help them, but it's like, you're always trying to help the young people that are trying to figure out how, how to pivot and how to kind of move forward. Um, what do you think is the hardest thing for them to teach at the, at the, at the NBA level? Uh, sorry, you mean in terms of like teaching players or teaching? Yeah, like the players, like the coaches teaching the players because, you know, what's the hardest thing that they have to do? Um, I, I'd say the biggest adjustment, like going from, from playing in college to the NBA is – you know, players have to realize there is literally 
no off switch in the NBA. You cannot take a single possession off. And it's, it's funny because, you know, I'm sure you know, but, but some people in, that are just casual basketball fans are online, obviously. The narrative all the time is, oh, they, they don't play defense in the NBA. Oh, they don't play that hard. And that's just – I mean, it couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, you, you watch a guy like Patrick Beverly, and obviously, you know, you see what he's doing in the playoffs, but, but he's like that pretty much every night. I mean, the only reason he's in the NBA and, and one of the best defenders in the league is because he is a relentless freaking competitor. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, if you get to the NBA and you, and you think, you know, you can just take some plays off, you don't have to play hard on defense a few times. I mean – you're not going to play and you're going to wash out very quickly. And, um, you know, I'm not trying to like talk bad about anybody, but in DC, honestly, one of the people we had was, was Glenn Rice Jr. Who obviously, you know, comes from a great, uh, great name, great, great pedigree. Um, but he, but he didn't get it at all, quite frankly, and, and just didn't work and had discipline issues and all those things. And, you know, he was out of the league. <laughs> he won summer league MVP, I think as like a rookie and then was out of the league like a year later. Um, so it'll really chew you out. And- well, and it's a, and it's a that's what they don't realize too. Because I've had some NBA guys. It's a business, man. It's like they're not they're not babysitting you either. It's like you're either going to do your job or you're going to find a different job. Like you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, in the same way, it's uh, it's relentless for coaches. I mean, it's even more relentless uh, for players. Because I mean, a lot of the you know, I worked one season for for Scott Brooks, who um, you know made it as an undrafted you know, short white dude who played right. 10 something years in the NBA. So, you know, he was cut 30 times. So he has no, you know, sympathy, honestly, for, you know, he'll cut you and, and send you out the door, you know, on a, on a normal Wednesday, right. Just, if, you know, right. he, he does it so nonchalantly. So uh, yeah, it's, it's really, really tough and you have to be, uh, you know, you have to be the absolute cream of the crop and, and a incredible worker. What, what, what do practices look like? Are they very individual or are they more X's and O's? Are they using the video? What are they doing? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, they, they vary so much. I mean, uh, you know, the, the training camps, that's really where the most important work gets done, you know, and those would be, you know, 10 straight days, just about, you know, it started being two a days, but then the, you know, all the sports science moved away from that and said, I would just have one three hour practice, but, you know, in those practices, yeah, it's, it's incredibly technical. I mean, I was I, I'm, I was shocked at the level of detail that goes into every little thing defensively, every little defensive slide, every stunt to the ball, every rotation. I mean, it's it's drilled inside and out and, and super meticulous. And, and yeah, so that whole notion about, again, you know, not playing defense, whatever is, is nonsense because those guys, I mean, they have to know so many different, you know, rotations and, and things that just have to become – you know, second nature to them. Um, but yeah, I mean, in season, you know, when you're playing 82 games, the schedule so relentless, it's, it's hard, honestly, at that level to have a lot of, a lot of practice time. So yeah, a lot of it does come, come in the film room. Um, and coaches vary greatly how they use that with, with Randy Whitman, who was a Bob Knight disciple who I worked for. I mean, we'd have, you know, like an hour film session almost every day. Scott Brooks was much more nonchalant and, and kind of just, uh, you know, just wanted guys in a good, good mind frame. And, and we hardly did any, uh, you know, anything near that uh, most of the time. So yeah, it showed me there's a lot of different ways to do it. A lot of different ways, uh, you know, for coaches to operate, but uh, ultimately, I mean, yeah, there's a ton of detail that goes into it and uh, you definitely have to do shell defense, do, you know, all the little rotations, beat them drills, all those things uh, at a daily basis in the NBA. Um. 
Is there anything that you saw? Any, 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 um, any like golden nuggets that you'd want to share? Like, think, is there anything specific you saw while, while being it or, or something you learned that would help a, a younger coach? Um, yeah, you know, I think, uh, this quote's been used before, but it's, uh, I always butcher it a little bit too, but it's like, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care, right? Something like that is, is important for sure because, you know, I think there's a, obviously, you know, most importantly, it is about the relationships. It is a, a player's league and, uh, you know, they're, they're the guys that are responsible probably for 90% of it. Coaches are, um, you know, it's an important job, but ultimately, you know, Giannis and, and uh, Devin Booker and those guys are winning and losing games, not, not the coaches. Um, so, you know, you have to remember, I think, uh, why you're there and you're there to, to help them and, and do everything you can to help them get better. Um, but then, you know, once you establish that relationship, then, um, you know, they also say that they don't care, you know, who you are, they don't care what your background is, if, if you can help them get better, um, you know, then they're open to it, then they, they want to learn. So, um, you know, I was fortunate to be around some guys, you know, Bradley Beal, John Wall, Hall of Famer, Paul Pierce, that, uh, you know, again, if, if you had film or there's something you could show them or some, you know, nuance or whatever that could help them guard their opponent that night, they, they were, you know, very appreciative and, uh, and open to it. So ultimately everybody just, just wants to win and just wants to, uh, you know, be in it together. What's the biggest, what's the biggest challenge that you had or they have the NBA as, as, what was the biggest challenge you had while working in the NBA? Was it getting stuff done or was it, what was the biggest challenge you faced? So, yeah, I mean, you know, this one, not as much, I guess, about me personally, but, but like I said, I mean, when I got there, I mean, I, it was, the teams were really, really bad. I mean, we were the kind of team that was, you know, winning 12 to 15 games every season um, and just had, had a terrible culture. Um, and so, you know, I, I'm really thankful that I got to witness, um, you know, when I started, it was the late Flip Saunders was, was initially the coach and he, he got let go and Randy Whitman took over and yeah, I just had to totally, you know, instill a defensive culture. I mean, one of the first things I remember was, you know, we talked about how quickly they'll, they'll kick you out if, if you're not getting the job done. I mean, Andre Blotch was like 30 pounds overweight and, and Whitman basically said, if, if you know, you're not going to practice or play or anything until you get down to, the game shape, you know, until you lose 25 pounds and, uh, right. you know, we, we had, we had to totally change things and slowly, but surely, I mean, even though <laughs> I think he went like three and 27 or something to start, I mean, it, it took a long time, but once we got some vets in there, once we got Trevor Ariza and Nene and, and eventually Pierce and guys like that, that had, had been there and understood how to be professionals and understood, you know, how to, how to teach and lead a team. I mean, that stuff is, is so massively important and it gets, I think, disregarded way too often. You know, you think that, oh, we, we got talented kids, we got a young team, whatever, they'll, you know, they'll figure out the leadership part. It doesn't work that way. You, you have to have a couple of, of guys that are just like that, you know, that you can't, I, I've always thought personally that like, you know, you can't really teach somebody entirely to lead. It has to be something that's a little bit intrinsic to them and in their personality um, you know, and so I remember actually the, the year after we lost Paul Pierce was, was a really tough year. And, and it's because, you know, we were sorely missing his leadership and, you know, he wasn't the best player in the world anymore for us. He was, you know, mid thirties kind of obviously on the decline, but his, his leadership, his influence in the locker room 
being the first one there every single day, drenched in sweat as a, as a 35 year old, three hours before practice. I mean, that was an incredible example to the young players and, and kind of, uh, you know, helped in, instill again, a culture and accountability that, uh, that you lose when you don't have leadership like that. Are you, are you coaching now? Hey everybody. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Make sure you subscribe, like jump up and down. Like I say, um, tell your friends, that would be a good thing. Yeah. Sell it, share this on social media. And then also go over and check out teachweeps.com for coaches who want to get better. Have a great day. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.